0: Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Welcome back to Archery Country Podcast. This is your host, Wade, as we are hot and heavy right in turkey season. And we said, why not have another turkey podcast? But this time, we're sitting down with the dude's And one of the main dudes from Phelps Game Calls. This is a product that we just brought into all three locations, and also you can find it on our online store. Uh, A lot of diaphragm calls for you turkey hunters out there. For those of you that know Phelps, they're worldwide known for their elk calls. Also, they carry a ton of predator calls, whitetail, your grunt tubes, and everything else to go with it. And we're sitting with the marketing manager from Phelps Game Calls, Mr. Dirk Durham, who's on the other line. How you doing, Dirk?
1: Great. How are you,
0: man? We're doing awesome. Glad to have you on Good. on this. Uh, I don't know what the weather are you are you Idaho or Washington? I'm in Idaho. Yeah. Okay. boys okay. area. Gotcha. How, what's the weather like out there?
1: Uh, it's just been kind of hit and miss. You'll get one day it's beautiful and sunny and seventy degrees, and the next day it's thirty degrees. So today's kind of kind of overcast and a little bit uh, about. Forty-five,
0: fifty degrees. Yeah. Well, I got you. So we're not too far off. <clears throat> we're in twenty some hours apart, but uh, kind of the same weather. We've been getting rain. Uh, our turkey hunting, as we talked off there a little bit, we're in season B when you guys are listening to this podcast. For our archery hunters, the uh, the way Minnesota works is our archery turkey. You can go all season, so that's from April thirteenth all the way to May thirty first. But uh, we had eighty degree days to kind of start the season. And then all of a sudden we had eight inches of snow, and then since we've had forty degrees and rain, forty degrees and rain. <clears throat> so the birds are the <laughs> birds are. And one day they're they're struck, and then the next day they're cold and huddled up, and they stay on the roost till nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but uh, we're glad that we're glad to p- team up with you guys. Um, like I said, when it comes to calling turkeys, when it comes to calling anything. Uh, the day of your pick in your pot, it still has a place. And when I talk about that, it's a friction call. The slate, glass, crystal, whatever it may be, and also your box call. There's a time and place to have all of those tools in your vest or in your pack. But the day of diaphragm has kind of took off because your are hands-free. You can hit so many different notes. You can change on the fly. You can control your volume very, very easily. You can muffle, you can throw a call, um, having some <clears throat> pretty good luck in the past with calling techniques and, and that. And I know, Dirk, you guys are very extensive on all of your testing. And then and when we say testing, not just standing on stage and calling, but also field testing. But if you want mind Dirk, give me a little background about you, you know, how you, where you were brought up hunting and fishing in the outdoors. And, and then your introduction with Phelps and, and how long you've been with the company. And then, then the company will kind of, we'll play that road for just a little bit before we get into your actual product.
1: Yeah. Sounds great. Um, yeah. I was born and raised here in Idaho. Uh, country boy, uh, grew up in a really small town, had about 800 people in it. I lived about a mile away from where I could hunt elk and every morning before school, I'd go elk hunting That's too bad. too bad, huh? <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> Everybody else was playing sports and I was, uh, elk hunting, you know, as the bell rang at, at uh, end of the day at school, and I was beating feet home to go elk hunting again. So I hunted 30 days of the season, uh, whether I had a tag or a buddy or family or somebody that was always out there chasing elk. And, and then, uh, you know, growing up in Idaho, um, the first few years I, I was hunting, you know, turkeys were kind of a myth, right? People right. said, "Oh man, I seen a turkey track the other day." It's like, ah, uh, but did you? But did you really? Yeah, <laughs> right. And then then I started seeing some turkey tracks here and there. And one day I'm like, I think I was probably like, I don't know. I must've been 13 years old. So this must've been 87, 1987. And I heard, a I heard a turkey gobble and I'm like, I think that was a turkey gobble. And, uh, I wasn't turkey hunting at the time. We we didn't even have a, I don't even know if we had a turkey season, um, right then. but, uh, I, 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 I was like, man, I've heard you can call those things in and I want to learn how. So mm-hmm. fast forward a few months and I spent some time in Florida. I have some cousins that live in Florida and uh, they're big turkey hunters, you know, hunting off the down there. Oh yeah. And I got to join those guys and go hunting uh, down there and um, man, I just, I get, they give me some calls. I learned how to call and, and I kind of took right to it. You know, it's kind of natural at running a diaphragm. And uh, it just kind of went, it just kind of grew from there, but uh, I didn't kill my first turkey though until I was, shoot, uh, I must have been about 20 years old. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the turkeys were just not real thick where I grew up and uh, I'd chase them every year and you'd hear a few gobbles and just never could put it together and then finally I, I killed my first one when I was
0: probably 20 years old and, and I've been hooked ever since. Love it, love it. So you, when you guys are, and that was in Idaho.
1: Yeah, that was that. That's north
0: central Idaho. So, and that's all you know, Merriams out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, we got we got some uh, some Easterns up there too. Um, so then there's a lot of there's a, quite a few hybrids running around there. So you got some interesting interesting colors in certain areas.
0: Right, so it's kind of it's kind of uh, the denominator. You know, back in the day when I really took turkey hunting to heart, uh, being from Minnesota and killing our first couple of birds here right where the first time you could ever actually get a tag, and did it with a bow, and and back, you know, you look back in the day how much easier it was because birds were never pressured. Right. And, you know, you'd step onto a new farm, and even our farm, and it was, you'd, you'd squawk on a box call or <clears throat> even try to just make a call, whatever, you know, this is before YouTube and learning how you just had videos. Like, I remember watching some jury VHSs. And you try to duplicate the call and all of a sudden there's birds in your lap. You're like, well, this is, this is easy. so now I'm going to start going to other states. And uh, you know we'd go down to Kansas and Nebraska and, and the further south you would get, we'd, you know we'd get into some Rios and then the, everyone kept saying these hybrids until you actually you know shoot enough birds and can kind of tell the difference on the buff and the cross. And in this country, it's all easterns. That's that's basically you know every once in a while you'll f- find a domestic that got crossed with it, in the introduction of turkeys into Minnesota. But the the first miriam that I shot was actually in Custer, South Dakota. And oh wow! A true, but it's it's funny like we you know you go to Wyoming and I went to school in Wyoming and and all of a sudden then you would start you'd see a true Miriam and then you would see a hybrid as far as uh, strutter you know and and it's, it's it's fantastic to me that there is some cross pollination and even in a, like idaho i would think you know th- that comes to my mind i've never hunted idaho but i'd think all mountains all the time it's going to be all merriam's so it's yeah. you know that's something to that's something new
1: yeah yeah that's <laughs> interesting um you know in, Ida- in idaho you know turkeys that's that's their, probably one of their biggest success stories you know we went some nothing to when you know they 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 planted them transplanted them here and and uh you know the population once it kind of got going it really you know it really took right off you know like in the mid 90s um and early 2000s just it just exploded and then um you know i think it kind of ebbs and flows now as far as populations go just kind of what you see in the, when you're in the woods every year but um we've got a very strong strong uh presence of turkeys here so that's pretty cool
0: Awesome. So give me, give me a little background on how you got with the company and, and how, you know, what, what is felt game calls and, and the quality that goes behind it, just a little background on the company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I competitive elk called for, for years and, um, um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a hardcore elk hunter at heart, right? That's Mm -hmm. what I live for every, every September is the bugle. So, um, did really well elk calling over the years at the, at, at the, at the, um, competitive level and then, um, very successful in the elk woods too. And, uh, you know, once you kind of get social media and things, you start, you start meeting people. And I, I I'd actually met Jason, uh, one of the Jason Phelps at the, uh, the owner of the company, the founder of the company, um, at, at one of the calling competitions, one of the uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation calling competitions one year and and uh, then he killed a great big bull in Washington, just a giant, uh, giant Cascade, I don't know if it's a Cascade Roosevelt or, I don't know but it's a giant bull, like a 360 type bull. Right on. And uh, at the time um, I had co-founded a, a elk hunting magazine with another guy and it's called uh, Extreme Elk Magazine and, we're like, Hey, Jason, we want that story for the magazine. You get cool. Let's do it. So we got him that, that, uh, that we got that story from him and, and ran it in the magazine. And, and, um, and I'd always seen like back before Facebook and stuff was big, um, uh, you probably remember this like forums, you know, online forums and they're still pretty, pretty popular with oh, all yeah. folks, but, yep. but, uh, man, like you got like both sides and there was like, there was one that was like based in Washington. So all the Washington guys were constantly on this forum talking. And, and if anybody said, Hey, what's the best elk call out there? I, I need an elk call. Somebody be like, Oh, Phelps, yep. Phelps, hands down. You can need a Phelps call. And I'm like, who's this Phelps guy? Even before I even met him. And then, and then finally, um, I put two and two together met him and, and, uh, we become friends right away just cause he's the greatest, just a great guy. Just easy going. Right. Funny fun to be around. So, um, fast forward several years and, uh, I wanted a career change and, I, and him and I had been kind of working together a little bit. We came out with a, uh, a signature elk diaphragm, um, for, of mine. It's called the Maverick. Um, mm-hmm. and, I was ready for a, a, something different in my career. I, I kind of, I was kind of spun out. I was like, yeah, I'm ready to make a change. And he's like, you know what? I think we're at the, the point um, that Phelps Game Calls could support that because very small, you know, mom and pop company at the time. And uh, so I made the move to, to be the marketing and sales manager there. And that was in 2019, okay. spring in 2019. Um, we'd been kind of working together for a couple of years before that, um, with the, the calls, the signature calls and stuff. But, uh, so then, uh, over the next few years, you know, we just, we've grown the business and then in, uh, 2021, uh, the Meteor company acquired Phelps Game Calls. And, uh, so we're part of the mediator running group now and, uh, so my job is still marketing manager. We got somebody else doing sales and stuff now, so that's that's great. And uh, but I don't just market do marketing. You know, I'm I'm kind of a, a jack of all trades. You know, whether it's we're working on um, product innovation, um, I'll kind of e- even jump in a little bit of project management stuff every now and then. Um, social media, I, I run up to all the social media pages, um, content creation. Um, I do a lot of that, whether I'm in front of the camera or I do a little bit behind the camera, but I'll, i do a lot of video editing. Um, okay. Actually the last few days have been working on Turkey videos, uh, editing that stuff. But, um, I mean, I feel like something gets thrown my way. That's not really marketing <laughs> right,
0: <laughs> all right. the time. But, uh, but then, you know, that's my official title. So I kind of do a little bit of everything. So Phelps, obviously, like we said in the intro, <clears throat> known for your out calls and you guys have other, you know, segues when we talk about other game um, to call in there. But in your mind, before we dive into what we're actually, I got in my hand here, when we, when we talk about a diaphragm call, okay, and, and correct me at any time if I'm wrong on this, all of your calls are handmade, Yep. And then they're hand stretched as far as the latex and hand cut.
1: Yep. Yep. They're built one at a time, uh, built here in, in USA. Uh, all the outcalls are built in Washington except with the exception of some of the outcalls my wife builds. Um, so, um, and then the turkey stuff, um, is built, um, back East, but, um, but yeah, they're all, they're all built one at a time, hand stretched. Um, it's, it's, if you were to sit down and build one, you you think, my God, how are these guys selling these things for 10 or 12 bucks a piece? They should sell them for 30 bucks. I mean, the <laughs> right. of steps to build it. Oh, like I, know. Call, I know.
0: Running, and an I know. Or an elk call. I, and I don't think people, you know, realize that as far as they pick it up. It, the ingenuity and, you know, back when, when we got started, I should say, and. And you, you, a diaphragm could be a little bit intimidating, especially when you're talking about elk hunting and you, and you say oh, yeah. different latex and, and, you know, not so much a cut, but the different layers and how much they're stepped back to get, you know, to get you that perfect cow tone. And then especially if you're going to bugle through a tube, there's a lot that goes into it. And if you've ever actually, if, and if you haven't, YouTube, check this out on, on Phelps social media. There's, there's a couple on there. Like you see people using a punch and a press, some of your employees doing it, but things are very meticulous because it has to be layered correctly. It has to be cut correctly. It has to be put together correctly. Uh, it, it is a process to put these together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of our a little bit of our secret sauce, you know, between that and then, um, you know, some companies will say, oh yeah, um, all the latex comes from the same place. All the tape comes from the same place, but that's not necessarily true. Um, they, make latex several parts of the world. Right. Yeah. We, but we, we source the very best stuff we can find. And if, if there's a, a problem, if there's like, Oh, well we can't get you all the latex cause there was a tsunami or something. Yeah. <laughs> then we're like, well, I mean, now we're in trouble because we're not just going to grab some other Joe blow latex and throw on there because what we found is, um, that, having that consistent quality, um, Starts with, with with quality materials, and sometimes you just get some stuff that that you you can make a diaphragm out of it, but nobody's going to like it. I mean, you can sell it, but um, you'll probably never sell another one to that person because it's just going to suck. Right. So, <laughs> so you know, we'll we'll do whatever we've got to do to make sure that we have the premium um, the premium um, ingredients in our calls, and then you know, like you say, you know that meticulous. Um, each call is hand stretched, we have little, a little, uh, a little dial indicator that, that stretches it every single time to the, to the right, to the right stretch. Um, and you know, with that, that attention to detail, that, that allows you to buy a call today and use it and like, Oh yeah, I like that thing. I'm going to buy one next year. You buy another one next year, take it out of the package. It's going to be the same. It's going to have that consistent quality. Yep. And, and I think that's super important because, you know, I haven't blown Phelps calls for my whole life, you know, for sure. And, right. and um, uh, that's one thing I can tell you is like, not all calls are created equal.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and having <clears throat> same story, different sentence, I guess you could say our different page, you know, being in a pro shop, especially <clears throat> where we live and as much as we get to, to hunt and, and go about it, um, having having the availability of calls every year we're you know we're we're getting new products in but we very rarely get new products such as this um in the first pack you know jack and i opened them up here in the store and, and jason actually our ordering um manager up in brainerd he called me when he was at the show and he's like dude have you ever you know ever tried any of phelps stuff and i said well elk hunting yeah but you know like what what are you talking about he's like well have you ever tried their turkey calls i'm like N- no I said, are they there? And he's like, yeah, dude, we like, we, we placed this huge order. I'm like, phenomenal. I said, you know, send them here. Let's play. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't in it. He picked up some, I don't know if he picked them up from you or some, one of your guys down there. And uh, he, you know, this is how geeked out we are. He's on the phone, like doing some Yelps and some cuts to me and doing a soft purr. and, And I'm like, awesome. I said, send me one like well i only got one (laughs) and i'm like well don't send me that one (laughs) like i'll I'll wait i'll wait you know (laughs) but uh no we got them in and jack and i opened up some packages and and i'd heard and done some research uh some buddy of mine from our buddies of mine from out west they're like you know they they really really like the black bat and uh i was like okay cool so i grabbed one of those and and just that that raspy roll that uh, that fulfilled call. Sometimes you can get a real a real high pitch squeak. You know, you put them in your mouth and you get them you get them kind of broke in and softened up. But right right out of I mean I'm talking thirty seconds to a minute with saliva help. It was it's just a really really fulfilled raspy roll. And then I dove in to, like your Parish three pack, and uh, you know just tried a few. But it, the ease of use the quality of sound, the true tone pitch, and, and don't get me wrong, and and came in on this at any time, Dirk, you can go anywhere and grab a call, right? And you can go out and, and practice in your truck or practice at home if your wife allows it. it you can make sounds. But if you're a, if you're an avid turkey hunter, if you're a brand-new rookie, or even if you're a veteran stage caller, uh, there are sounds that only certain calls can hit. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm I'm
1: not like an advanced turkey caller, so you know there there's a few calls I can't even make. You know, like if you want a purr or something, I don't even have like I don't I don't have my uvula right. Um, when I had my tonsil taken out, they they cut that thing out too, so I can't do that little roll. So um, I can't do a purr with the diaphragm. Okay, dog on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's de- definitely you know some nuance there that there's and but the funny part about that is is like you find some guys that are like oh I, I really i really love that trip and hen um or i like the the combo cut on the rip and red for for doing the certain calls so i think that's the cool nuance about diaphragm and all the different especially turkey diaphragms you've got all the different cuts um some guys they just operate a certain cut a little different or a little better for the different calls so um, and we find that with elk calls too.
0: Absolutely. And, and so, and that's where you and I can kind of pick this whole podcast apart is is you're a phenomenal elk caller and with a diaphragm. And there's, there's notes and keys and this and that that I, you know, I elk hunt every six, seven years. So I don't like overly get excited living in the Midwest and practice all the time. Like it does, you know, it, it comes easy, but I can make like, three of your basic seven but when you know and in turkey hunting that we do it all the time now i obviously don't call in the fall but when you're teaching younger generations or bringing my boys up or or even when we have guys and gals come in the shop it's super easy to grab a friction call a pick in a pot and make a sound and and get them within five minutes get them to where they can be pretty lethal right oh yeah but a diaphragm it might take two or three days before they can ever get that yuck, you know, and, and get it yeah. so they produce that. But once they do, then the sky's the limit. What I have found, um, and we'll dive into your calls. I got, I got to ask you about some of these names <laughs> on some of this stuff. Uh, kudos, pretty creative. But, you guys, it's not just, I don't want listeners to, to hear this and say, well, I'm not a stage caller. Like, I'm brand new, and I don't want to be embarrassed. There are certain calls. We sell them in three packs. We sell them in singles. <clears throat> so you don't have to go bold-legged and broke buying these things. But there are some calls that are, are easier for a new um, kind of a rookie status caller. If you've never done it before, there's some calls where you're going to produce easier sounds you're going to get that sound easier um you know like my boy uh he, he i got him a casper um you're familiar with that and yeah, i love that one and just all i did is took and, and took a scissors and kind of cut the band out so it was a little bit smaller for his his profile of the roof of his mouth and oh, yeah. you know it was and he's done it before he knew what the sounds wanted to make he just couldn't make the sound but you know now we've had him for couple of weeks and it's almost annoying you know how, how good he's gotten but he just keeps going and going and going with it and another good one that's great for just say your beginner caller uh, is just a standard straight and and you guys call it the straight deuce it's a you know a double read yep. system but just a straight and it makes an incredibly nice you know rich sound
1: yeah yeah not a lot of rasp but it doesn't take a lot of air to make it And and same with that that for man I that thing is that's a nice call and a lot of folks love that thing because you can get so soft with it um, I like it a lot for kikis key um, it's just a really good call and I can get a little bit raspy if I want It's not like a young hen but I, I don't get too much rasp like some of the others I can if I want to really sound like a, a mean old old hen I can <laughs> I can right. grab like my black black bat or a, yeah. a red, red or something and yeah and, uh,
0: that way the um so again <clears throat> talking to our new callers like it, it won't take you very long to establish a cadence um if if you want any advice that i can give you and dirk chime in on this they're like we talk grand national turkey callers and the nwtf stage calling a lot of times <clears throat> like the judges will give them what we call a sequence or you know portray this in the woods and they'll give them a scenario that they have to paint without a paintbrush. They got to do it with sounds. So when you're listening to stage callers, there's a lot more that goes on and remember they're trying to impress humans. Right. In the Turkey woods, basically if you can do a Yelp and maybe incorporate a little bit of the cut, you know, to get excited or excited Yelp, yep, uh, you, you got her kind of licked. <clears throat> now oh 100%. <laughs> so you don't you don't have to you know we talk about like a key key run. Well, y- you don't have to have that. You don't have to do it. Is it is it in the right situation, cool? Absolutely. But you know when and when we talk about 20 years of killing turkeys, I probably used it 3 or 4 times. And and basically just a, a, as a desperation or a locator for a hen um calling hens yeah. to it. But your standard yelp. And a cut if you can get to it do you have to purr if if you can't purr with a the diaphragm there's no problem you can just pick up you know like i have in front of me the the meat eater the slate glass pot call um with a little scratch of the scotch right pad and rough that up there you can purr like any champion ever i promise you
1: oh yeah
0: oh yeah you know yeah, and, and, that's and, how i do my
1: purrs with it that's how i do my
0: purrs why pop, not so. you, you, you control the volume yeah. you control you know how fast or how slow and there there there's situations, the more that you turkey hunt, there's going to be situations where a a gobbler, especially if you're archery hunting, a gobbler may hang up at that 35, 45-yard line, and you want to kind of close the distance. They may see your decoys, but either they're a tom that's been beat, battled, and bruised by a rat pack, or maybe it's just a really cautious tom, or it's the big boss tom, and he's like, well, I have hens over here, but I see your hens over there, <clears throat> and you might have a three-quarter strut jake or a full strutter out, you he, he need something to coax him. And that's when you can explore other cadences, other calls. Um, we all know that you could walk out in most any timber and do an excited cut, and if there's a bird within a couple hundred yards, you might get a shot gobbled out of them, you know, especially this time of year.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: <clears throat> and and when we say that, you know, you can use different calls not, but you can do everything with one call, but you could use different calling sequences for different situations. If you had to do a fighting per, you know, sometimes they'll close that gap just a little bit more and help you. But it's not a, don't be intimidated or scared, and especially with these products, it's something that, it, it's, for me, 90% of what I do is going to be a stick and a string, right? Right. I like my hands free. I like to be able to have my hand on a release, on my bow, Throw my call with my offhand. <clears throat> uh, if I need to muffle it and bring it back, I can do that. Um, like you said, there's certain situations where you have to use your slate, and and that's just fine. But that last, you know, that last 30 seconds before the kill strike goes on, you know, you may have to do a coax or you may have to cut just to bring his head up or whatever it may be. Being able to do it hands free, it's just less stuff you got to bring into the timber or into the field and that's where we start talking about the diaphragms.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: How did you get Go ahead.
1: I was gonna say, here's the fun fact about the diaphragm, our diaphragm. So Jason contacted Chris Parrish um, several mm-hmm. years ago when we first started wanting to do turkey calls and Jason's like, I don't know a thing about making turkey calls. So um, he knew uh, Chris Parrish's track record, you know, as a stage caller. And he knew that he did, he built diaphragms to a certain degree. But, um, so we reached out to him. So Chris helped us kind of develop all these, uh, all these diaphragms. And then we ended up giving him a, a, a signature series in there as well. But, um, if, if some of the folks have heard of Chris Parrish, he's, uh, one of the most decorated, uh, competition turkey callers of all time. Uh, he's been inducted into the NWD, NWTF Turkey, uh, Hall of Fame, um, So, and then he's probably been building, um, turkey calls for three decades. So he he knows knows what Mm -hmm. he's doing and that's where you get a lot of that, that quality built into those, those diaphragms too, is you got somebody that's just been doing it for so long and they know all the little, the little, the tricks and tweaks that it takes to make a good turkey call.
0: Yeah. He, uh, you know, for, for people listening in on this, that you know they may not know that that name but just say like the michael jordan of turkey calling um been there done (laughs) that and still can do it uh and very effectively one of my favorite calls of his collection through you guys they call it the huckleberry um and it's it's a very light rasp um and it and what i love about it is you can get incredibly soft you know and in turkey verbiage like a lot of people don't understand <clears throat> they they may only hear a hen talk three or four sits out of 20, you know, throughout that. But a hen is actually very, very vocal or a group of hens, especially a boss hen. They're always talking. Um, but a lot of times they may be, you know, 80 to 280 yards away. You're not going to hear it because they, they control their voice, just like you and I are talking on <clears throat> a microphone or a phone right now, is they control their, their pitch and their volume. And that's one of the biggest key features or one thing if you wanted to take from this is you don't have to be the loudest caller in the woods ever. And that's where that that Huckleberry is like so silky smooth and so rich, you know, it's a little bit of a light rasp. It's it's an awkward cut if you were to look at it, but there's a reason that he's made that. And he he has an incredible line. You guys call it the parish three pack. Um, I think you guys it's the manipulators in there and I see I have them all spread out. Now I should have actually organized these. Uh the kill zone I know about. I haven't used that, but that would be a little bit um like a, what we call a barking yelp, you know. Yep. Yep. Um but yeah, that's an incredible incredible credible dude, an incredible turkey hunter and and obviously a great relationship with you guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and we you know that soft calling, you know, you're talking about um Is so effective. You know, you get those days where birds are just not. You know, they're not out there just gobbling everywhere, right? It's more of a subdued day. Hens are being quiet, Um, so maybe you're set. You're going to set up along a, you know, along a field or somewhere where they're going to feed by and strut by. And uh, that soft calling, man. That's if you're sitting there, you know, hitting it hard with your barking call, like like you were saying. I mean, you're you're probably going to get less have less luck than if you just do that soft soft column and almost under your breath sometimes. You're just real quiet.
0: You know, and we, we just got wrapped up last week with our turkey podcast, uh, basically going over equipment and some strategic tactics that we use here in the shop, not directing it just to archery hunters, but really being an archery shop, that's what we're pushing. And uh, Jack and I talked a little bit about how sometimes less is more. And yeah. I don't want people to take that the wrong way, but I what I said air quotes here is I said sometimes less is more. Like don't overcall, and I'm still very adamant on that. Like you know, I've even gotten to the point nerdy on my Garmin watch. Like I've set a timer, <clears throat> so I force myself not to overcall. But when we say sometimes less is more, that's also your volume knob. Yes, less volume can be actually more more intriguing to that tom um because they have to seek it out you know they have to it's just like you know if there's an old lady at a concert just screaming and hollering top of your lungs all you got to do is look over your shoulder and see that you don't want to go over there yeah (laughs) yeah but um let's let's dive in a little bit we talked about kind of your for the individuals who are new to the calling and we talked about the straight deuce and the casper um Let's dive in just a little bit more and you can get you can get the Casper in the Hunter Select 3 pack which is I think is probably one of your guys's most universal packs out there. You, it is. Everything that you'd ever want. You know, if you wanted yep. to come in and and plop down a 20 and a 10 and and grab some calls, those three calls will get you all season long. There's nothing that you you needed more on that. Uh we talked a little bit about the Parish 3 pack. But let's get into the the meat and potatoes that that boss hen that crabby Abby um, <laughs> just a that that bird that's been three four years you know old into this deal and had a ton of clutches and she kind of rules the roost we all know that you know the ladies rule the roost and we just follow but you guys you guys I I was gonna ask you how long you've had the raspy three pack because it has one of my favorite calls the black bat. Um, the sassy is a pretty cool call as well. And then also that green Viper. They, uh, if if you're looking at it, it's like a snake tongue cut. Uh, the raspy that, that is a saucy three pack of calls.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People love that. And you know, we've had these calls in our lineup for, for the whole three years, but, Recently, we've kind of started pairing them up. In the in this last couple of years, we have paired them up into these little tree packs. You know, the ones that um, it seems like the, sometimes guys just love all rasp, and and sometimes guys like a little bit of like nuance, like like the hunter select. Um, so you just it just kind of never de- it just kind of depends on, on what they're looking for. But um, but like you said, there those suckers are raspy and and. I, I love that black bat. I think that one's maybe one of my favorite one of my favorites besides that Casper. Casper's awesome. I love running that black bat, too.
0: Yeah, it's a like I said that's the first call that I got my hands on from you guys. Um and and the cool thing about buying these packs is for we talk about 2023, everybody has a cell phone, right? Except right. for my grandpa, who still has a flip cell phone, he couldn't scan a QR code <laughs> on the back. But we had, a, we had a young lad come in. Yeah, I would say probably, you know, late high school years, but very adamant on turkey hunting and always wants the new latest and greatest. And we seen him, <clears throat> our calls under display right out in front of our, our main till area. Big, nice island, and, and then there our calls sit. And I seen all of a sudden he took his phone out and he's taking a picture of the back of it. I'm like, you know, whatever, maybe he's doing a little bit of research. Well, what he did is he took a picture of that QR code and, and it popped up and there's instructions and he scanned that and it, it just led right to Phelps and it, that's how he was doing his research. And uh, all of these packs have that availability and there are some detailed instructions so you can have just a little bit of help uh, getting started on the diaphragm setup, more or less. Yep. Yeah, you
1: know, Chris Parrish has two different videos, um, that, that will link to that from that QR code that will show you. So there's a video for beginners, just to show you how the very, from the very beginning to put the diaphragm in your mouth and getting those first, first yelps. Um, and then, um, he's got an advanced, um, video as well that, that takes you through all the other advanced calls. Um, so I feel like that's super helpful you know it's really hard to put good instructions in written form on the back of the package. Right. And if anybody's like me, I usually grab tear the package open, open and throw it in the trash and I never read the directions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But with that, that QR code, it's, it's kind of something a little <laughs> different, something a little new. It's like, Oh, what's this? And then they can, they can get that, uh, all that instruction. I think even some old season vets, you know, um, would enjoy a lot of that instruction there. I know, um, I edited, I we filmed that and I edited that video up and man the whole time I was just like picking up little, little, little nuggets from Chris on, on how to run those calls. So it was really cool.
0: Well, absolutely. And, and I mean, knowledge is the key, <clears throat> especially in situational calling. Um, you know, if you, a lot of, a lot of Turkey hunters will go out on and hunt off the roost and that morning sequence and they're goblin on the roost, shot goblin, and you can get them to respond pretty easily and then they pitch down and that's when you got to really portray like a performance scene to get the birds committed. Sometimes it happens in the first 10 minutes and and you are the, you know, the Chris Parrish, the Michael Waddell of of turkey hunting. It just, it, sometimes it's super easy. Sometimes you have to, I mean, sometimes it can be harder than elk hunting or deer hunting, you know, a mature buck. It, these birds are so dumb that they're smart. You know, I hate that. Yeah. It's just, just the way it is. And I mean, you're you talk about like waterfall hunters and and goose hunters and that. You got to have a decoy spread. You got to have a visual appearance, and then you also have to have ears. And we talked about turkey hunting. Them are the turkeys' two defenses. They have eyes, and they have really really good hearing. If if turkeys could smell, they'd probably be almost unkillable. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. And we always (laughs) laugh about that. (laughs) Exactly. But, I mean, you have to be pretty versatile. And I say especially for public land hunters. Um, You know, guys and gals that aren't blessed to have private ground and and you still want to enjoy the turkey hunting atmosphere, some of the best spots in Minnesota can be public ground. But that's where you're going to run into situations where birds have already been talked to. And a lot of times they've probably been talked to the wrong way. So they've been school they've been you know that is not what we need to do we don't we don't want to listen for that cadence and if you ever the best part is is to youtube just you just type in you know wild turkey calls and there's hens that talk forever on there and you can learn the dialect you can turn and then just kind of fit in the pieces of the puzzle together like so what does that yelp mean what is an excited yelp mean what is a cut what is a cluck you know what is a purr and we could, we could sit here and, and talk for hours on which one it is and, you know, break down that. But there's videos for you, for you guys to listen to or watch that. We're just here talking about some of the coolest calls in the business. But I'm going to ask you, before I take out uh, a couple calls here and make some sounds, The uh, some of the names on here, and you guys talked, we didn't, I don't know if we talked about the Easy Clucker. I think we did. Um, that's another really, really cool call. It's the, the Meat Eater with Phelps. Um, yeah. That's the easy clutch.
1: It's got that ghost cut on it and uh, kind of like it's real, real similar to that Casper, a um, little different latex configuration, but that's another fan favorite. People love that thing.
0: Yeah. it. Uh, and when he was talking about the cut, if you've never actually looked at a diaphragm call coming to the shop and, and you can see the different cuts in the top layer of latex. And usually that top layer is colored differently from the bottom, <clears throat> and then you can see the cut that we're talking about. rather be a lizard tongue or a bat wing cut, or I call it a keyhole cut. Um, you know, it looks kind of like an offset keyhole just a little bit. Yeah. The, uh I don't know where I was going on here for, oh, I was going to ask you quick. Now, we invest some money and we have these calls and we go out on three or four turkey hunts and we're successful and we're done. This is not... No matter how great Phelps and the, the ingenuity and the quality material they have, there's still some care that goes into diaphragm. What are you guys prescribing? What do you do personally to take care of your diaphragm calls? So
1: first and foremost, we don't want to leave them sitting out on the dash of your truck because uh, the, the, the one of the biggest killers to diaphragms is uh, the UV light on the latex. So that'll 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 make it brittle. Make it make it go bad um, so that's a, that's a big no no and then another another big no no is uh, storing them wet so um, see a lot of folks they'll get that new turkey bowl and it, it comes in that little and maybe it comes in if they buy a single it comes in a, a little plastic baggie and they use it a little bit and they're like oh that's cool and then they put it back in a little baggie and seal it up when it's still wet mm-hmm. well what happens is Um, your saliva has a whole bunch of things in it that latex doesn't like. So, um, by putting it in that bag and sealing it up, it just makes that, that latex kind of just deteriorate. just makes it kind of get loose. It it loses all of its uh, elasticity and it just kind of gets, gets kind of loose. And, uh, and we've even had people, uh, send us pictures of, of their diaphragm that molded, you know, they're in a warmer climate. You're mm-hmm. like, Hey, gee whiz, what the heck's going on here, man? My a diaphragm molded and they show us a picture in the bag is like, Well, you put it away wet and if you drink pop or, you know, eat weird food or whatever Right and then put that thing away wet, it's gonna you know, all those little things and bacteria on there it's it's gonna make it mold. So if you can keep your, your diaphragm dry and if you can keep it out of the sun, then you're gonna make make them last a lot longer. And then the third third thing is just keeping it out of your mouth. So uh, some guys and elk, elk hunter guys, turkey guys are like, they're, they're like, yeah, I'm going to, I put my, my diaphragm in my mouth and it don't leave my mouth until I get back home at night or whatever, you know, but, right. but, so leaving that call in your mouth there again, that saliva is kind of the enemy. Um, if you leave it in there saturated the whole time, the tape, that, that tape that goes around the outside edges of, of the diaphragm, well that, the, the adhesive that holds that tape together, it, it will start coming apart. Um, and if you're like me, if you leave in your mouth, I tend to chew on them. I'll chew on that. I'll mm-hmm. chew on that tape and then pretty soon it's falling apart. So I, I just made a, a real strict habit of like if I'm not actively calling turkey, or are actively calling elk. That thing comes out and goes <laughs> in my little call pouch.
0: Yeah. There's a, <clears throat> there's a couple different, um, call pouches. I guess you could say, depending on if you, if you have an upgraded turkey vest, uh, sometimes they're incorporated right into it. Uh, I have a couple of them that are actually on like a lanyard and I think it holds six different diaphragms. It's a flip over style that uh, let's say, you know, I'm going to take a break from calling. And and yes, I can't sit here and tell you that I don't put one in and I have it in the side of my mouth when I'm not calling and it stays there because it's always right there. (laughs) But yep. one, of, one of the key things besides that little pouch to kind of store it in and I, and I you know I set them out out of the sun but I let them dry out and then I put them in that pouch. but I also have a hat clip and it goes oh, yeah. on the inside of the bill of my my cap and <clears throat> let's say I'm gonna make a move or I'm, I'm gonna be just a little bit without calling. I can take it out of my mouth and it's literally like six inches, four inches and I put it right in that little clip. And there, it's 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 drying on its own. There's not it's not in my mouth saliva. And then it's always literally just a small movement to put it right back in. Um, little things like that, because you know if you've if you've done enough of this turkey or elk hunting, you've set it down, and that falls off your lap and it's on the ground and it's it, then then yeah, you're gonna have you're
1: to gone forever
0: (laughs) i uh one of the myths i think i know the answer to but i want to ask one of the pros out there that actually is making these is it a good idea in between hunts or you know for year storage that guys will get like a little seltzer they won't dip it in mouthwash but they'll have a little bit of some kind of good mint flavor on the bottom and then they'll keep their calls out of the liquid but store them in the fridge is that something you guys recommend or you don't is that, is that just a myth?
1: Um, yes and no. <laughs> yes, we, you know, if you, you want to keep, uh, you know, get optimum storage out of your diaphragms and store them in the fridge. That's a great way to do it. Um, but you don't want to dip it in uh, mouthwash or anything. If you want to clean your calls after the hunt or whatever, then uh, just cold water. Cold yep. water works really good. No soap. Just wash them off and let them dry real good on your dresser out of the sun. And then you can bag them up and put them in the fridge or even the freezer. And, uh, cause you're away from, you know, light inside yep. there yep. and, uh, away from any kind of heat, you know, heat's another one that kind of tears them down. But, uh, and then some, some guys are real next level. They'll, they'll take their, uh, their, especially the turkey calls because there's, you know, all those different layers. You got doubles and triple reeds in there. So, um, they'll take a little toothpick, they'll cut a little toothpick off and they'll stick in between the but each layer of latex yep. that way it lets it lets each, in, each individual layer dry and they don't stick together. And then when you pull it out, um, ready to go again, then it's going to sound perfect.
0: And that's, that's the, one of the keys. I'm glad you brought that up. <clears throat> so let's say you come into the shop and you buy a three pack or a single call and you put it in your mouth as you walk out of the door and you're driving down the interstate and you're, you, it sounds absolutely phenomenal and you're chewing on it and you're you're playing with it for 15 20 minutes and then you you put it away and it dries depending on how you stored it sometimes it'll take good 5 minutes to get that latex breathing I guess it's the breathing's the wrong word but to get it loosened up to where those actual reeds will separate to get the full cut sound or that rasp tone um and and a lot of people don't don't realize this but any any diaphragm that we pull out of the package, you can make two completely different tones. Now, don't don't distinguish that or, or distinguish it between pitch, but if you flip a call over in your mouth, you can get away from the rasp and you can get a really young, subtle hen, that real high note, and sometimes that'll key. You know, a, a gobbler will, will hear a different sound if you're running a rasp for 15, 20 minutes and <clears throat> things aren't rolling, and all of a sudden you change your tone. That that tone a, a higher octave, I guess you could say, will sometimes trigger it. So yeah. you can you can make multiple calls. The I'm going to do something here. Let's talk. Let's shift a little bit away from your diaphragm setups, and uh, I grabbed one of the the slate slate slash glass pot call. Um, this is brand new in a package. You guys can hear me opening this up. And I'm just gonna get it out. You talk talk to us about what we need to do when we get this brand new slate glass. And uh, again, there's there's some things that you can you can read the fine prep prepping the service. But just talk us through what we need to do. I got it in my hand here and I'm gonna follow your directions and we'll make some sounds.
1: Okay. So you got the uh, crystal over slate. Glass yep. over slate, there? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So you pull it out of the package and you look at all the beautiful artwork on that slate uh, soundboard underneath. And you're like, man, that's pretty. And they got this real nice glass over it. And you're like, okay, you, you grab your striker and it's like, man, I can't get any noise out of this. Yep. Well, you have to prep, you have to prep that surface and it seems counterintuitive to do this because <laughs> you just like scratching up that beautiful that beautiful call just seems like, well, that's not right. Like if you, if you, if you're new to turkey hunting, you're like, that, that's dumb. Why am I messing this pretty call up? <laughs> Which I'm doing right now. And I love every minute of it that
0: you're explaining it.
1: <laughs> so you grab, in, so the, the call comes with a, a, a prepping kit. So there's a little prepping stone and then there's a little, uh, like a, uh, scour pad SOS looking pad in there. And, uh, what you want to do is you want to take that that stone and then you want to make, you want to go back and forth, um, um, horizontally, but you don't want to, you don't want to, um, you don't want to swirl it. So it's yep. back and forth, side to side. Um, if you swirl it, you're not going to get the right kind of tones because when you're dragging that striker across, you want it to go across grain on those, on those mm-hmm. little uh, marks that you've made on that glass.
0: Yep. So what I'm doing, what he's explaining, what Dirk's explaining, I have this little pad and what I, I'm going, just say, I'm holding a pot in my hand, in my left hand, and I'm going right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, which is creating a grain. And I am ruining this beautiful little <laughs> picture on here. But that that's what, so now I have the grain going, I guess you could say horizontally, the way that I'm holding this call. Yep. Now now I have um what I call a striker or a pick. I have that in my right hand. Do I have to do anything with this?
1: Well you have to kinda of hold it just right. Now a lot of times, you know, new out of the box you could you could do this. So that little uh that little scour pad SOS pad, you could um prep the the, the striker, the little small part of it. Uh, yep. the part you're gonna rub against the glass you can, you can, um, put that in almost like a pool cue, like you would, like, uh, uh you know, put some chalk on a, on a pool stick or whatever. Um, you would almost make that same emotion on that, on that little pad there and kind of rough it up a little bit. And then, uh, you get that thing ready to start dragging across that wall.
0: Perfect. So <clears throat> the striker, it, uh, about the, the actual striker part, not the barrel. But the shaft of it is about the same size as a number two pencil. I know we're giving a lot of verbiage here for your, We're painting a picture for you. So I have the striker. I'm right-handed. I have the striker in my right hand, holding it like a number two pencil, and then I have the actual slate, the the pot, in my left hand. And then, do you have any techniques? Do you you know? Do you like to make circles? Do you go straight? What's your What's your best bet?
1: So I'll take that. And this is awkward for new folks, you know, to to learn this first, the first little strokes. Because I picked it, I pick it up and hold it kind of like you would a pencil. Um, now some people hold pencils weird, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will say that, but like the traditional way, you would hold a, a pencil, and then um, you're going to want to you want to set set that striker on the glass, and you're going to want to put it straight up and down, and then I I like to kind of t- tilt it away from me, kind of forward, kind of away from me a little bit and get a little bit of angle to it. Now, if you get too much angle, you won't get any sound out of it. Too little angle, you won't get quite the right sound out of it. So, so you'll have to experiment with that angle a little bit, but tip it forward or tip it away from you a little bit. And then um, I like to do half moons. So I, and really I'm doing a full moon, but but I'm most of my contact is a half moon. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do counterclockwise and I'm going to do it like draw a a half moon
0: on that glass and then so I'm just, I'm just doing what, what he's talking. I'm just going to play with.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, the, on the, on the downstroke where you're getting that Yelp, you know, you're going to want to maintain firm contact on the glass, but as at the end of that Yelp, then you're going to just relieve pressure. But I, but if you take, if you pull the, the striker away from the glass and then place it on there again for your next moon, then sometimes it'll make a click noise. It'll go click, click, click. And you're, you don't really want to do that clicking noise. So it's like a hard pressure on the, on the Yelp. And then as soon as you're done with that Yelp note, I relieve the pressure, but I, I don't really, I don't really take the white from the glass. So it's almost like a, uh, and, and not really a moon. I'd almost say it's more of an oval um, that I'm drawing on this glass.
0: So just the basics. I'm just making a sound. We'll <clears throat> we'll clean it up here a little bit. This is this is what the sound that he's telling you to kind of get to. But then if we clean it up to where you, so now you're producing a sound. I'm going to tip the microphone down here just a little bit. But we're producing that sound, but then you want to kind of clean it up so you have that high, low, out. High, low, out. So kind of a... And it's, it sounds really grainy, <clears throat> but I'm purposely doing it holding that close to the, the micro. Could you hear that, Dirk? Yeah. Yep. So you, you could hear the, the pitch that we were making, that tone of, of the half moon, but then you could hear me kind of dragging that back <clears throat> to finish, and that's when we relieved that pressure that he was talking about. Now, everybody's going to have just a little bit different of a cadence, but earlier in a podcast, Dirk talked about how to make the purr. You want to explain that just a little bit on here.
1: So we're going to go back to holding holding that that striker the same way. Um, you're going to put it straight down there, and then you're going to kind of tip it forward a little bit. But for me, it, it's all in the angle to make that purr. And then you're going to you're going to just draw a straight line to yourself. And you're going to have to experiment with how much pressure down pressure you put on the glass. Um, I feel like it's a little bit different different pressure than I, I'm using when I'm yelping. And I'm just going to just lightly drag that thing cross grain. That you, that those grains that you that you scratched in that thing, you're going to drag them cross grain, and you're going to experiment with angle on that until you just get the right angle for it makes a nice smooth purr. And for me, sometimes if my if my call not prepped right, um, if I haven't scoured it enough, then I don't get a good purr. So if you're not getting a good purr, you're making noise, but it's not purring like nice and smooth. Then I go back to my prepping stone. And then sometimes I will even use that little, little, uh, um, swatch of, uh, of, uh,
0: Those, oh, yeah. what are little, so- the scotch break, a little Scotch right. And then, and clean it up with that. And. All right. So we'll, we'll try to make a, <clears throat> a purr for you here real quick. See if I can get it close enough to hear. Going to completely act like a rookie. I should have done this before. I should have prepped it and done it before and you got the the sound that I wanted.
1: Well, it, it, it's a tricky call to make. It, it does take practice.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to stand upside down here, so I'm not perfect. Yep. And
1: one thing I'll say too is like, if if you've been around pop calls a bit and you have you've played a few, then like the different the different strikers that you use, maybe that you're used to, um, are going to perform different than the next one. So um, you know, you'll that, there again that you know pressure and and how much how much angle you put in that striker when you're pulling that thing back towards you. Um, you know, it's just it, it's an experiment until you kind of got to nail it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and I'm being dead honest with listeners right now. This is the first time that I've I played with this particular call, <clears throat> and and just like anything else out there, you're probably going to acquire over time two or three different strikers that you really really like to make different pitches. Like when I have, um, when I set up on my slate to do a pur, um, I have what we call fat bulb striker. So it's a really really thin striker, but it's got a big fat bulb. And it's kind of just roughed up perfect enough that you can get that, that, brrr, you know, just that you're dragging oh, yeah. it across those grains and it's just a, brrr, and then a pop. And uh, once you hear a hen doing like a feeding purr or a calm purr kind of in a group and birds are just kind of talking, you, you'll understand that because it's different than a fighting purr. A fighting purr is, is the same kind of sequence, but just a little bit more aggressive. You agree on that?
1: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely
0: and then you can also <clears throat> on a slate call you can cut and you know you can get your excited cuts and and what i really like i can already hear on this slate glass combo is i can get a really excited loud pitched cut um you know that may strike and and turn that gobbler to you to to get a hen and a hen when she's cutting you want to explain a little bit of what why a hen would do an excited cut
1: well um I think it's probably when they're kind of trying to compete with another hand, you know, um, they exactly. start cutting and, and, and one hand's kind of, kind of yelping or cutting over there. So the other one will start cutting and kind of competing for that gobbler's attention.
0: And that's basically 15 seconds of prep grabbing the call. And I mean, you, we just made three completely different sounds for you, <clears throat> and you can do the same thing with the diaphragms. We're not going to get diaphragms out and play with that, but Dirk, it's your wealth of knowledge, and we're glad to be teamed up with you guys, um, Meat Eater and Phelps. There's, a, we'll run over again just kind of what we carry in the shop. You also, you guys, you you guys are kind of open book. You can you can get a hold of the company or get on social media, and and uh, Dirk and the team can message you and kind of help you out if you're you're really not comfortable on what you want to get or you can stop into the shop and, and there's somebody at every location that's going to be, you know, very knowledgeable, uh, especially since we've had these for a couple of weeks. Um, but we're talking about, I was going to ask you about the, the Steve's Jake break. Yeah. And yeah, uh, the, <laughs> the Janus, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to say this. Um, Latvian Eagle. Latvian Latin eagle, so so it's Giannis. So oh, Giannis. <laughs> Giannis.
1: Giannis. is of Latvian Latvian descent. So, um, and Giannis and Steve uh, Ranella, they have a, little, a lot of back and forth, you know, with each other, and little little uh, nicknames for each other. And and Steve will call Giannis. He'll call him Yanni, and he'll call him <laughs> he'll call it the Latvian eagle. Sometimes, kind of a nickname. So, he's like, you know what I. <laughs> So the one that Giannis likes is, is the Latvian Eagle, and they thought, eh, that's a pretty fitting name to, to call it that.
0: So, <laughs> And I, I love the first time I seen it, the St- you know, Steve Rinella, the Steve Jake break. Like, what, what better name can you have for a turkey call, right?
1: I know. I know. <clears throat> I, I seen that when they came back with the names they wanted to call. I was like, that's brilliant. That's so good. I, I can't believe I didn't even think of that one.
0: And then we got, <laughs> we, we've we like overhit the black bat, um that's a Batwing cut. We have the sassy split V. We have the green viper that comes in the raspy three pack. You can get the Parrish. Um, when we talked about his setups, Chris Parrish is his name. He has the manipulator, and that's a full range of the raspy tree talk. Uh, you cut in your raspiest. The huckleberry, that's the one that I was talking about that's super, super rich and, and smooth, and you have a light rasp. So so really your soft talk, that would be like my, my number one go-to. And the kill zone is a, a very raspy. We talked about the, the barking yelps. In um, your guys' hunter three-pack, we have a plethora, you know, three different setups, including that Casper, to make a little bit of your higher, easier call. Uh, really, really nice cuts on both the red and the blue, what we call the tripping hen. And then another favorite name that then we see is called the Rip and Red. Uh, it's red in color. <laughs> you go to it, but in in they're they're very eye appealing. There's a uh, great assortment. It's just it, it's just you guys have done an awesome job, and we're glad to be part of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You asked earlier about like where these crazy names and stuff come from. Um, well. When, and we see this with elk calls, you see it with turkey calls, you know, somebody will say, you know, we want to buy the uh, turkey call. I had one I, last year that I really liked. Well, which one was it? Exactly. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> so we wanted to put some mem- memorable names and then put the icons on them. That way, if anything, they're like, I don't remember, but I think it had a snake on it or I had a ghost on it or a bat on it. You know, that, that way they associate those, those different things with, with the call yeah. they like.
0: Oh, absolutely, and I mean, you know, now that you bring that up, it's it's super easy. Like the plethora that we have here it says, "Well, I I had a Phelps call last year. Well, what color was it? Well, it was orange. Well, that narrows it down to either we had one of Chris Parrish's or we had one of the meat eaters, which is Giannis. Um, yeah. So you know, and like your sassy V, it says sassy V right on it, and uh, yeah. it it just is super super easy to keep these. And this is something that you guys, if you, if you take care of your diaphragms, if you take care of your calls, you know, you, you can make a slate call last for shoot until you want to give it to your grandkids. If you take care of it, Absolutely. Um, but Dirk, I I want to say thank you for coming on. Um, You guys, you're doing some great things and we're glad to have your calls in. We want to invite everybody out there since we're kind of in the, the heart of Turkey season all around across the country. Um, Florida's, you know, Obviously, a couple of weeks ahead of everybody. I'm headed down to Missouri uh, tomorrow night, and you guys out in Idaho and Washington. Actually, there's some of our customers that are, you know, on their way out to visit you guys. So, oh, yeah. uh, Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado, you know, down in Texas in the red dirt country in Oklahoma, you know, all birds speak the same language, but just a little bit different on what you're hunting and when you're hunting. And you have to read your, your territory and read your birds, too, you know? Yep. Yep, absolutely. But uh, you guys yeah. can get a hold. You can get online and check out Phelps' uh, quality game calls. Uh, kind of their slogan is getting them close, and that's exactly what we want to do. And also for all of you that, uh, you know, draw results are getting out in some states, and, and now we need to start planning on that elk sequence <clears throat> and, uh, and you know, learning how to run a diaphragm for not only your bugles but your cow calls and your calf calls and and sequencing that, and, and we'll probably get you on a – a podcast for that Dirk, just with your wealth of knowledge in the elk you know you get you shot some amazing bulls and and you got a story with designing calls with these guys so uh they're Absolutely. out there and, and they're tools that you definitely need to get used to using and, and stop in the shop check them out online and uh dirt you stay with me and on behalf of everybody at archery country we appreciate you and we'll see you on down the road Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast.